0: Welcome to the Animation Happy Hour,
1: a podcast where we talk about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks.
2: All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely
0: our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. My name is Ben. I'm Garrett.
1: And I'm Katie. And we are all character animators working in feature film.
0: All right. So today we are resuming part two of our Day in the Life of a Layout Artist. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one yet, we highly recommend doing so. Um, Rocco and Dorian have been giving so much helpful info about this subject. Um, Part one was released uh, January 1st. It was our last episode. So definitely take a listen if you haven't. But if you have, without further ado, here is part two of our Day in the Life of a Layout Artist.
1: Yeah, so transitioning to question three, um, who or what types of people (laughs) might enjoy layout in your opinion and I guess this question is kind of coming from a place of like if you know we have uh, listeners who are in high school or something and they're sort of pondering different parts of the pipeline like what might drive somebody to lay out or to specialize in
3: layout (laughs) do you want to go ahead with this one Dorian? sure Sure.
4: uh I think um you know it it's we had a meeting earlier in the like before the pandemic and it was talking about like what is a layout position So it was kind of hard to kind of nail because uh i i would say it's kind of like being a mini director in a mm-hmm. way because mm-hmm. you're doing uh, staging of the characters you're also doing composition of the characters and then you're adding a little bit of a cinematic flair and language so yeah. i would say half you know for animation what we're talking about in general um and this might apply to the, this is actually does apply to live action as well i would say it'd be like you know 50% being an animator and then 50% being a a cinematographer Mm -hmm. and understanding composition and lenses and cameras and stuff like that. So it's a bit of, of both worlds.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. cool.
3: I would, my own personal experience uh, at it would make me encourage anyone who enjoys animation, but isn't necessarily a great animator. Mm -hmm. uh,
5: Mm
3: And also enjoys cinematography. i mean if you if you like movies and you like <laughs> watching them, you might enjoy layout. Whether or not you have the talent for it is is uh, a different story. But I had thought I'd be an animator, you know, and I animated my share of talking animals and a few <laughs> bits of character here and there and different projects. But I think it was um, I think it was on bolt, so my second. second feature of my final period of time at Disney uh, where I realized that the animators were doing things that never occurred to me and I couldn't envision myself thinking of Mm. and I wouldn't know how to make the character do. And it was Mm. sort of at that point where I said, I am not of that skill level and I am not that person and I'm, very satisfied with where i am
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh,
3: you know it 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 was sort of a realization that came later than it should for me but mm. um but i do enjoy animation i can't animate mm. uh, i can i can make curves great camera curves but i you know character animation is a performance that i don't have mm. within me and i don't have the capacity for so i love of the craft a love of animation the medium mm-hmm a love of movies and storytelling and an understanding of cameras and how they can affect the above aforementioned things. Mm
0: -hmm. It's such a, to me it it seems like such a filmmaker's craft Mm -hmm. layout. Like Mm -hmm. we've talked about this in other episodes, but there were times where they had, um, like at Dreamworks I think for the movie Laramie's I was on I'm sorry I'm repeating the story for listeners but they had a the head of layout talk about the you know it was a, set, a movie set in Australia and they had this like western whole look and he was he did a PowerPoint presentation on like uh you know all the different shots and like why he wanted to go with this for this sequence and like the tone of everything and it just was so like artistic and creative and like interesting to me that I, it's that it seems like if you like that stuff, that layout is like the perfect role, like, you know, the focal lengths and I mean everything, I'm just repeating what you guys are saying. <laughs> it's yeah. exciting.
4: Yeah. And it, it's weird. Cause I remember as a kid, I mean, I would try to recreate the shots in the movie and I would oh. like try to do the <laughs> angles and do all that stuff and then try to, you know, like as a little kid with your little hot wheels or, you know, something yeah. like that. And we're basically, you know, cut to, you know, all this time later And I'm basically doing the same thing, you know, and I feel like I always feel so goofy, but, like, half the job is, like, well, I think this is cool, you know? Like, yeah. And I was, like, just do this or that, you know? Yeah. And, like, and then, they, then they come in, and then, you know, Iron Man comes with his fist and punches it, and then we show Cliff with a face, and, then, you know, and it's, like, it's kind of like storyboards where they pitch their ideas, and you're kind of, like, doing that, but it's a movie that they can watch. And so, like, you don't have to talk. You just explain this is what's happening, and yeah. then you can pitch your ideas as well or how you fixed a certain problem that was there or something and it's kind of adding that uh creativity you know it's and it's it's a hard thing to explain because a lot of stuff is when i see a movie it's it's uh why is that shot cool mm-hmm. why did that work and that didn't and that was even as a kid i always have that in the back of my yeah. head mm-hmm. and You know, the next step, if there was no computer animation or anything, would probably be, well, going and actually becoming a real cameraman or becoming a storyboard artist, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're kind of getting that format. But this is kind of like a weird hybrid that emerged. And luckily, I was there when it was starting. So, I was able to – it turned into a job, which wasn't there before,
3: you know. So, it's interesting. And you're making great films without necessarily having – being able to or having to animate or cast or direct live action actors or, but you but you're making films. Yeah. You are creating a film without having to be excellent at all these other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, it's showing that, you know, to me, that means I can be valuable even though there are great deficiencies in my skills and my ability to make an entire film on my own. Mm-hmm. I can still have a, a meaningful job, where my creativity can show mm-hmm. through doing something I am
4: good at.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's very, very creative. Cause like there's sometimes where it's either boarded or it's done and they're looking at it and they're like, mm, it's just kind of needs something else or something different. And that's why like all the artists uh, also do alts. Mm-hmm. So they might mm-hmm. do a shot and go, okay, this was the idea, but I also did another version of it and they show those mm-hmm. alts and sometimes the editor gets one shot from us. Sometimes they get five shots from us or 10 shots yeah. from us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now they have different angles they can shoot and that can help develop the story and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, having that is definitely something that is, it's a creative process that you're adding your your yeah. two cents to as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, hopefully that's kind of a story point that you're helping
3: as well. yeah. Um, yeah. I hope I when I, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm saying layout is great for people who aren't good at doing other things. Uh, cause that's, you know, not, not what I'm trying to say, but yeah, it's, it's great for filmmakers who want to make films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
4: And when, when I was take I took online animation classes. Um, I got a good, even though I was in the industry, I got a good range and I still take classes to this day, by the way. So, um, just to brush up on animation, cause mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, that's something you can kind of get rusty on or I want to be better. I'm constantly doing stuff. Um, And when you take those classes, you know, it's people from all around the world sometimes in different countries and all that stuff like that. And the main thing I realized was it was always, I want to do final animation for movies and games. And that was it. You know, like Mm -hmm. they didn't know that there's a broad spectrum of other animation possibilities that their crafts could be used for, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more jobs than just doing final animation just for movies and just for games or just for films. You know, th- those skills mm-hmm. translate into other departments as well.
5: Yeah.
0: Uh, gosh, that's why this yeah. is so valuable, honestly. <laughs> just <to laughs> get it out, I think.
2: Yeah, I love all of that. And Rocco, I love that you came back to the point you previously made because honestly, there's <laughs> no one in any department uh, who – does not have their deficiencies in other departments (laughs) right like that's that's just the icing on the cake of working at a a place where there's a bunch of different disciplines or whether you're making a game or or whatever movie is that of course you're going to have your area where you're kind of strong and and you get to hand it over to people who are better than you at these other things Mm -hmm. and like I was stupid little story I just told where I had to tweak the camera and it looked horrible. And I, you know, I am so <laughs> thankful. that I have these incredible layout artists that can say so like, Hey, tweak this little thing, but it could you make it actually look good now <laughs> or like make it like fit in the movie. So, um, I know you already clarified, but yeah, I just wanted to you know, voice my support for that too. And, and just say like, yeah, you, you having deficiencies in anything, uh, certainly shouldn't, um, Gosh, what am I trying to say even? Just don't don't feel bad about it. That's the good thing about yeah. working at a place like this. It's yeah. like, you know, that yeah. you know, everybody has those and you kind of find where you fit in. And
3: yeah. Yeah, we could even say it another way and say Dorian made a, a short film about Raya fighting her dad
5: mm-hmm.
3: and got 75 animators to animate it for him <laughs> and 65 lighters to light it for him. And a couple of guys to direct it for him while he was doing other stuff.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You could say it that Yeah.
3: That's,
2: I mean, a great way
4: to put it. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. Ignore that.
0: (laughs) Actually, just kind of like impromptu question. Is seeing the final result of your like layout, like once you, you obviously do your sequence or whatever, but once it's like all done, is that like really cool to see everything come together or is it you've just seen it so many times that...
4: No, no, it's always great because, you know, it gets better once it leaves your department mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everything gets better. The animation gets better. The layout gets, I mean, the lighting, the effects, um, the, the sets, because a lot of times the sets we get aren't as detailed until later on when they actually do the textures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's always a, a good surprise to see it. And depending on um, what changes, because there's changes that can happen after, you know, I'm done with the sequence where they had to fix a few things. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. They did that. Wow. That's a nice (laughs) surprise, you know? So that's always nice to see as well, where at the last minute, the director wanted to change this or do that. And, you know, Rocco or someone else jumped in and helped kind of make that change in there. And you're like, Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't see that before. Awesome. So it's always super, super exciting, you know, and we get jazzed when we're watching, you know, in the uh depicts, you know, and the <laughs> company reels where we see your guys as rough animation. I mean, I'm sorry, final animation, animation tests and stuff like that. Cause you know, we're dealing with stuff that, you know, we're like, oh, okay, you know, it's this weird character and, you know, what's his personality? And then you guys add that all that stuff. So That's really motivating so that when we're jumping on the next sequence, we're like, ooh, that's really cool. Maybe we should frame for this Mm -hmm. and, you know, add this to add a little bit more character like they're Mm -hmm. kind of doing in these animation tests. So it's all very motivational once you start looking outside your department.
1: Yeah. Cool. So the next question is the very juicy, any tips on breaking into layout? And we can go kind of right into like, do you guys have a or could you describe the typical demo reel or portfolio that you might expect to see and how that might be structured and a lot of listeners um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like the number
4: no. one question <laughs> that's really because we just saw a whole
3: bunch of demo well, you reels. did oh. you know, not, okay. so <laughs> you were there perfect for a little bit. i'm gonna talk first <laughs> because it actually has been a long time since i've looked at reels um mm-hmm. so i'm going to give you the this is what I imagine Mm -hmm. would be good. And then Dorian's going to tell you what (laughs) is good. Uh, But uh, for me, I, and this comes very specifically from my strange job. Um, I would like to see somebody telling a story Mm -hmm. through images because ultimately that is what we're, we're here for is to tell a story. Um, and I want to see, I would love to see cool shots as well Mm -hmm. because I rely on people who can make cool shots Because (laughs) I'm not one of those people. I rely on people who can come up with great, huge, imaginatively cool, massive epic shots. Um, but I don't just want to see epic shots because Mm -hmm. it's easy to make a standalone shot and it's harder to get that shot to fit into a sequence without mm-hmm. breaking rules or being confusing mm-hmm. the The difficulties in making it work for the story.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So it would be all the basic rules, matching camera angles, camera heights, good focal lengths, and, um,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and having eye lines match characters in proper positions on frame, compositions, things like that, I'd love to see in a perhaps very boring sequence. Mm -hmm. But if it's thrown with a wonderful, surprising move that doesn't break anything that came before it, that Mm. would be, to me, really wonderful to see. What do you think, Doreen?
0: That's great.
4: Uh, I think think that was pretty good. Um, I, I would say I've seen a lot of reels. Um, but layout previous always misinterpreted as just animation or, you know, it's not really talked about too much in schools. They might roughly talk about it. Maybe they talk about storyboards and then final Mm. animation, but they don't really talk about kind of getting the cameras in there and that kind of language. Um, I know right now, there, you know, might be a few online classes that actually do have previs or layout as a class now. Mm-hmm. Finally, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a mm-hmm. good introduction. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest real mistakes when people apply is they have beautiful animation, but that's it. It's just one camera and it's an animation reel, and they don't understand that when it comes to layout, um, we want to see a complete story told mm-hmm. cinematically, mm-hmm. Um, and that that doesn't mean it has to be perfect lighting and perfect animation and perfect rendering. Mm, mm
5: -hmm. It just
4: needs to be able to tell the story, uh, within the shots. And that's what we're looking for when we look for people. Um, and one of the things that when I, uh, got the job at Lucasfilm, uh, when I asked them like, well, what kind of separated, you know, me from the pack and stuff. And they said, Oh, because you know, when we interviewed you, number one, you had a sequence of shots, some of, I didn't know about the 180 line, so I might have <laughs> jumped the camera, but they said it told a story, an interesting mm-hmm. story. And it had an A, B, and C to it, and mm-hmm. it flowed really nicely. And when they interviewed me, I actually brought the storyboards that I drew mm-hmm. and said, oh, you know, I did... I, was trying to figure out the shots. This is how it starts. This yeah. is how it kind of ends. And then they saw, so they saw the, th- the thought process mm-hmm. and they saw Not only was it like thinking about the sets and stuff, but I was also, I did my own storyboards mm-hmm. and I worked it out and stuff like that. So they saw problem solving and stuff. So that, that's what really kind of stood out and what that's what they liked. So that's kind of what I would say to anybody is if you're thinking about layout animations, great, but also just think about telling a, a simple story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we're talking about the process of cube viz too, like, Just a cube, you know, literally if you have a, a, and that's the the funny thing, which is in my head, I'm always like, they're going to fire me because, you know, I do that process for myself, but other people can see it or like the director recently saw it and everyone like it worked because it told the story, but it's cubes, you know, but it had the feel and it had the energy and it had what the boards and the director were going for, um, and I didn't have any rig, you know, it's very simple. So, but it, it told the story and it went from A to B, you know? So that's kind of the main thing uh, I would say for people to kind of consider when you're thinking about layout. Mm -hmm. You know, Dorian,
3: my student film was about a sphere. So you had five more (laughs) sides than I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's how advanced Dorian is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really?
5: That's five sides.
1: It's great. I'll jump in just to follow up. There with are there any big um, red flags when watching any layout reels or anything that like kind of clues you in right away that like this isn't probably not going to be a competitive reel or?
4: Yeah, I would say the the number one thing is when the camera is moving and it just stops. and it does a hard stop uh that's the number like you know when you're animating cameras uh it's the same thing as doing regular animation where you have to make sure the curves are smooth and you have to make sure Mm -hmm. things settle correctly and stuff and uh i would say one of the biggest kind of opening things was um think of it as a real camera you know and if you were Mm -hmm. shooting you know i think we try to do that all the time whereas like Could they physically shoot this? And Mm -hmm. I've been in situations where, uh, you know, the DP was there. So he's like, he's looking at the stuff I'm doing. He's like, we can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. All right. Does this work? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Good. You know, so I would say like, number one, look at how your cameras are moving Mm. and that they're realistic Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that they don't pop. We call it camera pops. Mm -hmm. So it's when the camera's moving and then it just stops and it does a extreme pixel lock and that is so
3: distracting. Yeah. So a lot of
4: times good camera work is actually not being conscious of it
3: or being aware of it. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true and something something to be said about those big epic shots that I would love to see on a reel is I would love to see them on a reel I would love to not notice them in a film Mm -hmm. Uh, because we We all serve the story. And if you're thinking about what the camera's doing, unless there's no story happening at that point, and really there should be no shot where there's no story happening, you shouldn't be thinking about the camera. Mm -hmm. You should look at the screen and say, that is so cool, but you shouldn't think, (laughs) oh, did you see how the camera did that? And then they did that. And oh, look how they did that. You should, that's that's what you don't want. (laughs) We used to have a joke. Maybe it was uh, not a joke. more of a backhanded insult, <laughs> front-handed insult, backhanded compliment. Um, but anyway, the, the the joke used to be that the the building said animation on it; it didn't say layout on it. Oh, god! Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm calling it a joke because I know <laughs> that people don't actually feel that way, and that we're making films. Uh, but really, if I had to put a name on our building besides Roy. E-Disney? Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Besides <laughs> E-Disney, uh, I would put story
5: mm. on
3: the building because we are all there to tell mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're using layout to tell the story. We're using animation to tell the story. The lighting is to tell the story. And if at any moment the camera makes you think about anything except the story, then it's it's broken. It's mm-hmm. not doing its job.
0: So cool. It needs to kind of almost be invisible. Yeah. Like you don't want to tell. Like it's kind of, yeah, it's like if your job is done well, then they don't notice it. (laughs) Yeah. In Mm -hmm. some ways. That's so interesting.
4: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I would just add one last thing that uh, I see a lot on reels. Uh, You know, a lot of times they'll put like two or three shots and sec- in, in, and then jump to something else that's two or three completely different. You know, so oh, okay. it's like th- it's an animation reel with three or four cameras, but then they jump. So uh, just going back to telling the story of mm. uh, just because you have four or five cool shots and all of a sudden it abruptly goes to a completely different situation where it's four mm-hmm. or five cool shots and then a completely different situation. Mm. So if you're having so much random <laughs> shots basically in a reel, that doesn't make a good layout reels, mm-hmm. to like Going back to what Rocco was saying, it needs to have a, we'd much rather have just one simple A, B, and C story that's told correctly, you know, with the cameras and stuff than to have just a bunch of random shots that just look cool, but have no context mm-hmm. at all.
3: Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I, w- I would say that a layout, a reel for layout would be very specific and not look good for any other job, unless you happen to have great animation in there coincidentally, but mm. it would probably be a really weird reel that you wouldn't necessarily feel good about <laughs> sending out uh, <laughs> sure. because it is so specific to one certain yeah. aspect that a, a layperson could look at and not understand what they were looking at mm. and why you would send that to, a, you might show it to your mother and she would say, you sure you want to send that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, that's really well said. A good point. Yeah. Yeah you guys are looking for very specific things and yeah, sometimes all the polish and everything on top is not what that you're looking for. I just reworded what you guys said in like a whole other <laughs> way. Please <laughs> cut this out. Karen.
3: No, no, it <laughs> gave us crazy. an opportunity to add things like, uh, but also generalism is a, a great thing to um, have mm-hmm. as a frosting on top of that cake. Gotcha. Um, because if people can do the aforementioned camera work, uh, but they can also have nice poses um, not necessarily great animation, but good timing yeah. Yeah. from poses to pose, or even if they're sliding characters, if they slide at a reasonable pace, that helps a lot. Gotcha. Yeah, and that, that's, yeah. An, that's an that's timing's a huge thing, actually.
4: That's an interesting thing. Cause you don't need to be you could be great at animation or not good at animation at all, but if your timing's correct on when the camera gets there and showing the character and complimenting the story, that's kind of a big thing that it's hard to explain, but it's part of the blocking or choreography of how you're staging the shots, mm. you know, rhythms and timings. Yeah. Um, depending on the sequence and the mood, it can
3: make a big, big difference. Gotcha. I wish I could remember who said it, but uh, someone in an instructional manner said that the purpose of a shot is to take you to the next shot. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's sort of true. Yeah. But to do that, the shots have to go well together. They have to make sense mm-hmm. together. But the get to, the, to get to the next shot is to get you to the next shot is to get, you to, the shot, is to, get you to the next shot, and by the time you get to the last shot, you've told a story.
1: Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I have a, I still have more specific demo reel questions. <laughs> oh, sure. so, I know they're not on Some here, but on maybe on we Go can for squeeze it. them yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, like if there's a length to shoot for, like with the animation, we often say like one, two minutes ish range, and um, or even if you know there's a student or maybe they had a very successful student film or something like that would ever make sense to submit like your student film or yeah anything in that arena i'm so curious about
4: yeah i mean i I think it varies um i would say yeah the two to three minute mark is is the average i think that that works well Mm -hmm. um but if you if there's a special case where you did have a student film um you know there that might be okay you Mm -hmm. know but i would say as a part from the final rendered student film, if you're applying for layout, we also want to see the rough stuff, the first pass you got did. It. We want to see the grayscale yeah. um, okay. of how you, you got f- from layout to there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the good reels I've seen, uh, they'll show the storyboard or they will show the layout in the corner. Okay. Scale,
1: I was wondering about mm-hmm. that. And
4: then they would show the final in the top corner. So the mm-hmm. rough pass of how they were laying out the cameras, um, it's just playblast no fancy lighting or anything but mm-hmm. you know in the corner we could see we can compare the final to how they were doing that it initially that makes
5: sense yeah um,
4: and if they have storyboards that's great they can add that as well but we would rather mm-hmm. just see how they were working in the computer okay. and how they got to the final
1: super um, interesting that's great
4: and it doesn't have to you know let's say it's a 10 minute movie that they mm-hmm. did or something Again, rule of thumb, try to keep it you know, around three to five okay. minutes. gotcha. Um, so take the best part of that movie that you felt showed off the layout mm-hmm. and just compress it. And you know, again, that's going to be a, a number of shots put together in a sequence. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell the whole story just for that little beat. is fine. Got it. Yeah, that is a good
3: point. I, I would have said um, that, sure, you can tell from a film, but to your point, if somebody puts up a film on their reel and it's an mm-hmm. entire 10-minute film, I would feel bad turning it off, but, <laughs> but I don't have ten minutes to spare. Um, mm-hmm. So choosing a, a selection from that film mm-hmm. would be great. And if they did the entire thing themselves, I would be comfortable not seeing specific layout. But if it was a uh, collaborative project,
1: that makes sense.
3: It would be great to see mm-hmm. what they had done before other people added mm-hmm. added to it.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Great so our next question this one is from several listeners um and yeah multiple people wrote in to say or to ask are there any particular resources like books sites courses schools etc that you believe uh were a help to you while you were kind of on your journey or or that you look to now and then kind of something that goes hand in hand with that uh just general tips about how to practice layout or get better at it
3: as a student my uh my education was also strange um, <laughs> because my dad was the head of the directing department at CalArts for 25 years. Wow! So I learned a lot of stuff just from him talking. But yeah. I don't know how to yeah. uh, necessarily put that into words.
5: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I don't. I know we used to say everybody had a copy of the Five Cs of Cinematography on oh, their desk, yeah. mm. or shot by shot, or shot by shot. I've never made it all the way through the five seasons of Cinematography. <laughs> and I don't know if I've ever made it all the way through shot by shot, but I've got a lot of film books sitting around that my dad gave me that I've never read all of either. So it's it's an amalgam mm-hmm. of of things. And I think that might be just unique to my experience that maybe isn't worthwhile for the show.
2: But. Well, those two things are, I mean, I didn't know those books off the top of my head. So that, that alone is valuable. And sorry, go ahead, Dory.
4: No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are good to, read about um, the those books actually just explain the basic cinematic rules and mm-hmm. you know we've mentioned the 180 rule uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the different lenses and uh, different compositions on a character you know uh, you know there's tangents that we try to avoid there's if you're doing a close-up there's a very good close-up there's a medium close-up and then there's a wide close-up and then there's wide shots medium shots um, so all that kind of stuff um, I kind of picked up while I was working, you know, uh, and depending on the director or the supervisor, they would kind of tell you, Oh, well do it like this or do it like that. Um, but those, those books, when I got those books, it did go, Oh, that's
3: what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's going on. That's um, a great way to put it. I learned a lot on the job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, being hired in early CG, they just wanted anybody that could push a mouse and <laughs> click a keyboard. <laughs> oh. Um, but I learned a lot on the job and, You know, I remember the first time a director talked about a tension in the frame. um, They said, can you just pull that away, the character's head away from the edge of frame or away from this object? Mm -hmm. Because there's just a weird tension there because Mm -hmm. the head and the object were too close. Mm. And I never heard the, the word used in that way before. And it made such perfect sense to me because my eye kept being drawn to this tension in the frame that was between these two objects. And it was just a magnet between the objects drawing my eye to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it's experiences like that, that they're just things you never forget. And, Mm -hmm. um, but they all happen on the job. Yeah.
4: Yeah, And I would say, uh, one of the new things that's come out was the masterclass, um, that's online. So, there you can get really you know there's a ron howard one i watched uh i know there's definitely some uh cinematography ones that the dps go into how they compose shots and how they do stuff so mm-hmm. that's that's pretty valuable mm-hmm. effort mm-hmm. and i know there's got to be at least a few other books uh, you know I, I look into cinematography you know google that and see if whatever videos you can find um making of um that'll give you a good good insight for that and and just personally i would Uh, the ILM into the Digital Realm book. I know for me that in high school that was a really good introduction into the industry and how things work and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And of course, you know, The Illusion of Life that's the classic, Mm -hmm. you know, Disney Mm -hmm. book, which I didn't know about until you know, college when someone mentioned it and just, Mm -hmm. what is that? And I read it and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) This explains everything. Uh, And then just uh, pay attention to films. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Watch a lot of films and Mm-hmm. Realize, look at how they shoot shots and look at different moments and what shots and what lenses they're using for those moments. You know, mm-hmm. and when they do a close up, why is the background so blurry? You know, that's a story point that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, why did they suddenly go to a wide shot? Why did they go medium? Mm-hmm. So that stuff, I mean, even as a kid, I would rewind the tape when we had VHS tapes <laughs>
5: uh,
4: and I would watch sequences over and over and then I, that's what kind of got me thinking of just like you know to this day i mean i'll, I'll if i watch a movie i'll watch it like five times mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. just not all at once but you know over a course of a time like a few years when the movie came out i realized like oh i probably watch it like three or four times or as i work i'll have a movie that i'm mm-hmm. watching um and if there is let's say a sequence i'm working on i'll still go into the catalog of films that I think would help me uh, get some good reference for what the movie or the shot needs for this sequence and this and that. So, you know, just like going into a dictionary and looking for words, if Mm. you're a writer, I'll go to movies and look for shots and look for Mm. different situations. a lot of times it's not the actual shot that I remember, but it's maybe a moment Mm. that gave me tension or maybe a a sad moment or something. And I go, oh, how'd they do that? And then I'll rewatch that sequence and see Mm. how they did it. Um, and by the way, everybody does that. Directors do that. Some of the biggest name directors—they're looking at old films, <laughs> and they're you know using that as well as reference uh, for their current films.
3: Yeah. So I, when we were on working on Encanto, we we're talking about a, a bit of the film, and one of the directors said, "Oh yeah, it, it shouldn't be like that scene in Lord of the Rings." I was just watching that the other day, and I thought. We are in crunch on a feature film. How do you have time to watch even the most edited Lord of the Rings film? That's hilarious. Wow. That's, that There's is not so time. funny. Um, Dorian, I'm sorry, I'm turning into an interviewer now. We, uh, this makes it nice for us. <laughs> we use a lot of, we have a lot of live action folk in our department. Um. A lot who came over from DreamQuest when Disney bought that company, and they have a lot of real-world camera skills.
5: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Do you think that is very important for people coming into the studio, or do you think as long as they have a rudimentary understanding of f-stops and focal lengths and what they mean?
4: Yeah, I, 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 it, it always helps. Okay. It always helps, and even if you're a photographer because you're you're doing compositions and you 're doing stuff, um, but there's a, a certain uh, dance, I would say, of moving the camera and knowing how the camera moves and stuff like that and like when I started i didn 't know anything about cameras. you know, I took a photography class in high school that 's about as, as much as I had um, but uh, I was but I somehow because my brain TiVo'd so many movies and sequences. <laughs> um, I somehow had this kind of natural instinct of where to put the camera and what felt right and what didn't feel right. And those feelings eventually translated into technical aspects of okay. the thirds of the camera, the 180 rule, this and that. And even though it wasn't hundred percent correct, at least it was a good foundation because I paid attention to how movies were shot, that it gave me a good instinct of where to put the camera given the scene. Mm-hmm. And you know, for the longest time, that's kind of just how I worked. And then later I picked up lenses and, you know, F stops and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think as long as it, you, if, if you got a good instinct for compositions and if you're a fan of cinema and storytelling in shots, that's probably the biggest advantage. Cause as long as you have that interest and you narrowed it down, then it's just learning from there on.
0: <laughs> it seems like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's a ton of parallels with story because a lot of what you guys are saying with composition, the, the you know, um, you know, rule of thirds, 180 degree rule, like watch cinema. That's like definitely what story artists do, too. So it just seems it's so interesting to me.
4: Yeah. Think? And there's been uh, mm-hmm. story artists who've come from layout who mm. actually went oh, wow. at DreamWorks. There was a couple people who applied for storyboarding and became storyboard artists, mm. you know, because wow. they had a very good uh, drawing skill. And, you know, right now, personally, I'm working on my drawings right now. And so cool. it's it's helpful to know how to draw too, because, um, you know, when you're explaining something uh, to someone, I can just draw it real quick and give a rough idea of the composition mm. while we're having the meeting and see, is that what you're going for or this or... If mm-hmm. I'm supervising, explain something to the artist, the first thing I do is I get a, a notepad and I just start doing little storyboards of this is the close up of the hand we should okay. do and yeah. little right. stuff like that. So that does there is a bit of storyboard in there, you know. And, but I would love like to go down that path one day, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, just for myself, you know. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's it's always handy to kind of have that idea. Mm. Super cool.
3: There are, uh, there's a lot of material on YouTube related to breaking down films. Uh, every frame of painting, though now defunct. That's
4: yeah, the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. Is,
3: is terrific. Um, and even, even the works that are not specifically about camera and staging have, I think, value because as the, uh, the, what do we call them? YouTubers? <laughs> Uh, I think so. Influencers. Well, yeah. uh,
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, you're right. I don't
2: think any of us are cool enough to know exactly. How to, so whatever you want to call them,
3: <laughs> as the I, I don't know editorial documentary filmmaker is saying in their short work, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's while the they're displaying the <laughs> other people's work, you're seeing a section of a film, and you're looking at it through a different context. You're not. You're not wrapped up in the movie. Mm-hmm. You're not. You haven't been watching it for an hour and a half. Um, you're just seeing a section of it, and somebody is talking about something while you're looking at it. But it lets you look at it in a different way, and you're thinking different things while you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I think even if it's specifically not about cinematography, you will probably start to notice things and pull things from those little snippets. But every frame painting does have a lot about cinematography, hmm. and Nerdwriter as well does some some good stuff. Yeah, uh, those are two that come to mind. But the internet is such a wonderful resource.
4: It's huge. And we, we, you know, again, if if you don't have the movie available on, you know, iTunes or Blu-ray or whatever, going to the internet, you know, I remember one time on Avengers, it was helpful because someone did like every single time Iron Man shot his, you know, used his weapons (laughs) and it was a 10 minute compilation of every single marvel film and i was just like thank you you know like awesome you know or all the hulk shots from every movie cut together you know just like (laughs) perfect thank you internet yeah Yeah. like i would have had to like scour through all these dvds and all this stuff to try to like look for reference for that stuff um but (laughs) the interesting but movies the interesting thing for that is when I work on a sequence, uh, when I'm using reference or something like that, a lot of times it's with a movie that has absolutely nothing to do with, with the sequence I'm working on. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you're, you're like, well, you're working on this, like, you know, part here, which is dramatic and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, if it's Raya, I'm going to look for, you know, uh, you know, Asian cinema or Kung Fu or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but there was a part of Buckaroo Bonsai that has absolutely or a comedy or, you know, <laughs> nothing to do with the scene, but in my weird way of thinking, it went to that. And, you know, even though it has nothing to do with it and that way I wasn't copying that type of cliche style or storytelling, but I was using something else that was, you wouldn't really normally use for that situation that give you more interesting camera angles. Mm. So every once in a while, like that will happen. Um, Or, like, you know, just those kind of references will sometimes just pop up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just because they do a a quiet scene and, you know, a very emotional part of the movie doesn't mean you have to go to to a quiet scene and only serious, dramatic, emotional parts. You know, maybe it was a comedy that all of a sudden, like, the – you know, everything stopped because of this emotional moment in the mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought the audience to tears or something, you know? And so mm. you can mess around with different genres, you know?
0: That's where that TiVo comes in handy. And your yeah. Always know.
4: <laughs> like if you're yeah. working on a space movie with space stuff, doesn't mean that, you know, I use a lot of Westerns actually mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. look at uh, space things and how they're shooting stuff. Um, because, you know, if you just went to only space movies, you know, it's going to be the same shot over and over and over. So you're always kind of looking for something interesting.
5: Mm-hmm. So cool.
2: Gosh, I, I'm i going to take that myself and put it in my pocket for animation yeah. references. I, I do feel like sometimes we get a little too... Uh, Granular about like okay, looking reference, looking for reference for this thing. It has to be. I have a horse jumping over this hedge. Okay, I'm going to look up the dressage competition for this and have a hedge of a similar (laughs) length. I don't know. That's a ridiculous (laughs) example, but (laughs) but yeah, you're right. That uh, I just love that the you know there can be these overlaps in unexpected places maybe and
4: yeah and i I, you know even like really what people you know my taste in movies is pretty drastic you know Mm -hmm. so even what someone's like oh that movie was absolutely horrible you know i try to find a little light in there and just go but look they did this sequence really well and it was oh, so man. cool yeah. you know that's awesome. something so to me like there's yeah. not there's never like a really bad film it's just like eh, it's not as good as the other one or this but i always think that they they always have different strengths and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i'll watch a really bad film several times and Go. this is great. I don't know when I <laughs> <laughs> Just like, because on That's a technical awesome. aspect, they did some really good stuff in here. You know, the story's not good, but they did some really cool stuff, yeah. you know? That's awesome. I
0: love that. It's a good yeah. reminder not to think of movies as like binary, this is good, or this is bad. It's like, there's always something you can get from it, so.
4: Yeah, there's always something great. you can learn, you know.
1: So moving on to question five, we have the very exciting, what's <laughs> your least favorite Part of your job, and I think as animators, we're all like especially curious to know too. Like, if you guys have any department pet peeves, like, do we as animators ever do anything that drives you crazy or um, anything like that? We're very curious.
4: (laughs) No, it's it's a good question um, because I I don't think you know any department the the pet peeves are usually. It's part of the process, actually, because like storyboards, we're going over and over and trying to figure out the sequence. So, you know, I guess the biggest things is, you know, when you're working on something and then it completely gets reboarded and it's a completely different sequence. But that's not something that's annoying because that's part of the process. Mm. Because I always feel like our job is basically to do go through that process and, you know, re- do and, you know, reinvent everything and try to get everything together so that other people down the road don't have to deal with these issues and they have something final. So the more we're able to get it done, the more people, you know, it's easier for them, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, department pet peeves, it's it's really hard because changing stuff is part of our job, you know, and changes that come up. So, you know, when you're a student and you go to being a professional, the big difference is you know, if you're working on something, they might take it away from you Hmm. because they did their story changes or something and stuff like that. But just it's the part of the process and Mm. just accept it and move on. But I think that'd probably be the number one thing of someone who is just starting. That's just like, well, I worked on that for, you know, two weeks and now it's cut or it's out the window (laughs) or something. It's like, Mm. yeah, it hurts the first couple of times, but it's (laughs) part of the process, you know? And if they didn't do that, they kind of wouldn't have went further with it and kind of gotten to that, uh, you know, final story aspect of it. If they didn't kind of go through the process of figuring it out, you know, so, Mm -hmm. all right, well, there is something that's not specific to anything, but it always happens and it doesn't matter if it's live action or (laughs) animation or anything. And I, I nicknamed it zombie shots. <laughs> and they're basically shots that just won't die. Uh, <laughs> <And> really? <laughs> every sing- it doesn't no matter what movie you're on or anything like that, it there's always a zombie <laughs> shot in that film <laughs> where the poor artist who is on it has to redo that shot five, ten, oh, twelve God times gosh. just because uh it's not quite right or mm. uh you know what there are some story changes and now it's this <laughs> and it's it could, and it, it's not like a big act it's usually not the action sequences actually it's usually some of the more tender moments or something yeah where they're really yeah. trying to nail um the feeling of the shot or something mm. um but it's gonna happen but you, know, you can't predict which shot it's gonna be and you're always surprised when it ends up being that shot so <laughs> yeah. the zombie shots are kind of you know, one of those <laughs> things that it's just like it's it always happens <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just and the sequence is done but that one shot just keeps coming <laughs> back and coming back cuz <laughs> You know, they slightly. Let's do a little push in, and then you do the push in. Let's actually pull out. This <laughs> <laughs> can we maybe go, just go sideways, like we're tracking her, and then you do that. Actually, can we go the other way? <laughs> like, can we do a top down. You know, oh and it's just like you're doing all these options, and the shot just won't go. And finally, when it's done, you're like, "Thank God." Okay, all right. Let's <laughs> let's let's move on. Another time you know, you're working on another sequence, but you're still going back to that zombie <laughs> shot.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
4: That
2: is hilarious. And well
4: put.
5: (laughs) Zombie
2: shots. (laughs) Totally happens for animators too. Like
4: a thousand percent. Yeah, Yeah, it's so
2: funny you said that because, yeah, it's just so.
4: I think zombie shots are for pretty much any department, I think. At some point, they they might run into those shots Mm -hmm. no matter
3: what you do. Uh, For me, the least favorite part of my job is screwing up.
5: Mm. Uh,
3: I just don't like making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And those mistakes could be anything. I I really hate when I screw up communication. No. Uh, when I misunderstand a director, or and you probably understand this as well. When you have an idea and you would like to pursue it, and you ask about it, <laughs> and you know the person you just asked did not understand what you said. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes. And says, "No, I don't think so." Mm. And you know, if you had just said it better or more clearly, <laughs> you would be continuing the conversation. But now you've been shut down, and you can't say, "I'm sorry, no, I meant, I meant this," and so you can't yeah. belabor the point that you've mm. just failed to make. Yeah, I, I hate making mistakes of communication.
5: Mm. Oh man, that's
3: a good one. Oh. That is a good. One. <laughs> but since it's what you were all dying for. Yes. The, G- the things I hate yes. <laughs> about working with animators. <laughs> yes. uh, for the listeners, <laughs> I work with, I work in the scene files of almost all the animators at Disney Animation, if not all of them. Yes, this, mm-hmm. is,
1: what we want to, uh, this is what we want to
5: get to. <laughs> so that's a hundred different
3: workflows <laughs> <laughs> to oh, deal yeah. with. Uh, plus the workflows of, of the 30 or so layout artists we've got um, that I try to stay apprised of in case I need to use their work mm-hmm. to integrate. Gotcha. Um, but the things in there that are pet peeves start with an accident. Uh, We've got the baked camera. We've got a rigged camera and then that rig gets baked down to what gets rendered and by baked a key on every frame, uneditable baked camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some animators that have an amazing skill of moving the unmovable camera. (laughs) I don't know how, and I don't know that they know how, and I don't know that they do it intentionally. But <laughs> do <I> do? <laughs> but the baked camera uh, sometimes gets moved in a in a scene, and it is really really difficult to get that data back out into something that can be rendered because there are no extractions done on the baked camera. It's a very technical thing. I'm about to dive into, but you can't. Ex- we don't publish the baked camera. It just exists on disk. Mm-hmm. So we've got to take a rig and track it back to that baked camera uh, um, to get that move out. And it's, it's awkward, but yeah, I think it's, it's mostly unintentional. Um, <laughs> um, I don't like uh, anim layers mm. when they're used on the camera. Mm, Uh, that certainly makes sense and and that also comes down to how our cameras get extracted because those layers on publish will get baked down into a key on every frame which makes it really hard to edit Um, but it also comes down to the fact that I've never been good with animation layers (laughs) and jumping into somebody else's file and trying to figure out how they've set up their animation layers is really
1: that makes sense is
3: hard to decipher for me Mm -hmm. so I don't enjoy that Yeah, certainly understandable Um, Another, uh, another unfortunate thing is when I tweak a camera too early. Mm.
5: Uh,
3: mm. It, it, there's a balance I need to find yeah. for mm-hmm. adjusting a camera to the animation. But I want to do it before the animators or after the animators done, kind of fudging thing around yeah. things around. Um, sometimes if they're still, if the paint is too wet. I'll use the camera to reposition the character in screen or to adjust an eyeline or something thinking, okay, I've got this. I'm getting, I'm hitting it early. I'm not going to screw up their animation. It'll blend in with the rest of the sequence. It'll be perfect. But uh, I think perhaps subconsciously they'll sort of be working back towards the reference that they had or the angle they oh, think they went to in the first interesting. place. Yeah. And they'll move back towards what they had That's interesting because they're still, fleshing out the performance and there's still lots of work to do. They
0: like counter what you did. And so they counter what I do. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. And then I can't necessarily go back in and do it again because now the camera's getting way off of where mm-hmm. it ought to be because we're, we're starting to dance around the room together. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes I consider it a mistake on my part, uh, but I've done it too early and I need to, sometimes I just need to jump to the animators file and say, when you close this file, let me know I'm going to jump in, move everything to a different place Mm. And then give you the file in the morning because it's it's better for me to sort it out than try and Mm -hmm. either leave the camera in the wrong place, leave the shot miscomposed or ask you to do these changes for me. Mm.
0: And if you're hearing sirens in the background audience, it's because these tips are so fresh (laughs) that they are just they're so fire (laughs) that uh, they're just going to come.
2: I was going to say, because Garrett lives in such a tough town. Yeah. Tough neighborhood <laughs> around tough neighborhood here. Really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not to put down any of your points. I was just like, oh they're going to hear this.
1: So, yeah. so informative and educational.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can I also say some things that I like for animators to do? Yeah. No, we're not as. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier if I liked it when an animator says, I've changed the camera, mm-hmm. um, just so you know. I love that because mm-hmm. it lets me know to pay extra attention
5: mm-hmm.
3: and make sure that the sequence still works. Um, and for a while, I was very protective of the layout cameras. Early on, my, my first couple films was camera polisher, and I would try and drive things to be like the layout cameras were. Mm-hmm. But I learned that that was not necessarily the way to do it because it's a fluid process, things change. And now it's so much easier just to just ask myself the question, Is it messing up anything we set up that needs to be there? Mm. Does it work?
5: Yeah. You
3: know, and if it works and doesn't mess anything up, it's the perfect camera. Mm. Uh, Mm. It doesn't matter if it's different.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: So uh, I love when animators let me know that just so I can Mm. make those uh, calculations in my head and those comparisons real quickly and not have to worry about it, not have to Mm. try and figure it out. And also, if there were five other shots that were the same as that one. (laughs) And I can decide, do we change those five others that <laughs> uh, maybe haven't been yeah. animated yet, or do we change this one yeah. that just got approved? Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's
1: so helpful to hear. Gosh. Yeah, all the mental calculus that you're doing so quickly on the fly in those meetings. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: It's trying to find yeah. the least impactful way to, yeah. to get the film mm-hmm. on track or keep it moving.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy when animators come up with a better camera than Mm. I come up with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always, uh, it's humbling when somebody (laughs) who doesn't do your job for a living does your job better than you did your job when you had that sequence. Uh,
0: To be fair, it's usually because they're just taking what you've done and like pushing (laughs) a curve like one, you know, like they're building (laughs) off of what you did. Perhaps,
3: perhaps, but sometimes it's a whole new idea. And, um, sometimes I say, man, I didn't see that. And that is mm. awesome. And I'm glad you thought of it. Mm. Um, and I'll I'm trying to figure out a way I can take credit for it, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, tell my boss I did this thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So those are things I, I love, you know, and that goes hand in hand with the other thing, which is if you're going to do that, let me know yeah. that you did, or yeah. especially the animators that come to me early and say, I'm thinking of doing this.
5: Oh yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. Uh, mm. Then they ask me the question, "Does this mess anything up? Does it still work mm. And uh, the earlier that information comes through, the earlier we can yeah keep that shot moving.
1: That collaboration's awesome, yeah,
2: I gotta say, I just think the the way it happens here, having you there, you know for Garrett and I coming from other studios, like it's so great, <laughs> and I love it. And I think pretty much everybody does. I haven't talked to anybody who's like, oh, Rocca's in here. <laughs> you know, that has never no. been the case. No. And um, but for me, I, I mean, aside from, yes, it, it's more efficient. We can keep going and everything. That's all amazing. Um, I just love when all of a sudden you'll speak up and you get a little bit of a higher level thing where it's like, you know, you'll say, oh, well, the purpose of, purpose of this shot is this or with the camera we're trying to sell this and I'm like oh my god it wasn't even on my radar you know so so um yeah I don't know why I even started this other than to say like it's fantastic I love the way it is I love having you in there
5: yeah yeah that's right yeah (laughs) thank you I
3: still feel uh I I still feel like you are letting me into your department every time I show up in dailies and I appreciate your tolerance
2: oh man yeah It's it's great. It really is. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I feel like we're the ones lucking out with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's silly to even ask this at this point because we've talked about so many cool things about your job. But officially, our number six question in this uh, series is: What are your favorite parts about your job? One of the biggest things is uh, actually just
4: coming up with ideas and Mm. uh, coming up with. um, I'm, yeah. To this day, I'm still amazed that people listen or like are you know when they're they're willing to take a chance on (laughs) something because we are kind of sometimes taking the first stab at things or you know trying to create a I guess a cinematic language or an idea or something and you know sometimes you got to create new ideas and that you know the start of that creation of getting the sequence and getting those ideas and then you know riffing with the directors and the editors and trying to figure out how we can make this, you know, good or take it to another level or what the mood is. Um, I think that's for me that, that coming up with everything and being part of that creative vibe, you know, and sometimes there's uh, a writer involved, you know, Mm. um, but being with the writer, director, editor, um, and just being there and, you know, creating the movie, you know, and sometimes, you know, storyboard people, of course, but, you know, just kind of it's the first stab at, you know, you're going from, you know, 2D drawings and then it's the first real 3D stab at it. Mm. And, you know, like the stuff you're doing is basically going to ripple down the pipeline, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, that one shot you did or that one idea you, you might have just come up with or something in a year from now, it'll be in the movie, you know. Um, so that's that's always kind of really shocked me. Um and uh, it's still something that just that idea or that creative inspiration or something can basically just keep going all the way down. You know, mm. um, it's that's one of the things that kind of really motivates me. Of just like working on a sequence, you think it's cool, and then <laughs> you're hoping that in a year from now, people think it's it's cool too. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but and learning working with the different departments and you know learning from what the director's ideas are, and then. Our head of layout, he doesn't outline learning what mood he's going for and, you know, oh, it's this type of of setting or this type of feeling and stuff like that. Um, And then I I think just going back to working with the departments, the one thing that I really like that they do at Disney is actually they encourage people to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So if you're working with an animator or modeler or something, it's not like, you know, oh, you're another department, you know, (laughs) I don't, you know, it's like, oh, well, just go talk to them. You know, Mm -hmm. he's right there and Mm -hmm. everyone's really open, um, to talking to different departments and they, they encourage that, which Mm -hmm. at some other studios they might not, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the really pleasant things I found out when I came to Disney was like, oh wow. Okay. They want us to tackle our own problems and talk to the right people (laughs) and you get stuff done faster and you get to know what they're dealing with and stuff like that. So, um, learning, you know that type of stuff is another big inspiration too is when you get to peek into the other departments and see what they're working on Mm -hmm. and that kind of motivates you as well so um yeah that whole create but that's all part of that creativity bubble that forms and it's hard to explain but that's that's kind of what gets me up in the morning and keeps Mm -hmm. me motivated just like oh man we're creating something Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um it's just really cool you know and then at the end it's pencils down and then (laughs) <laughs> you have to jump onto the next project and hopefully, you know, you got all your ideas and your last calls and everything in before you had to stop working on it because we can't redo it, you know.
5: Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. So it's, it's exciting.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a race, but it's also a creative race. I've mentioned that uh, my art is a series of reduction of criticisms. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's problem solving. Uh, I see the things that I don't like in shots about shots as, as problems that need to be overcome. And uh, my favorite part of the job is overcoming particularly difficult problems, Mm -hmm. whether that's in the layout process of we have to get this character around the room. We've got to do these shots without crossing the line of action.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: But it's very difficult. There's always a way. It's just cracking that nut to find the right sequence of shots to get the camera on the other side of the character. Uh, whether, it, I love it when it's a simple thing, like just a head turn at the right time to take you to something else to take you back. Mm-hmm. You know, when you can throw the camera around by the action that's happening in the frame. I like simple, elegant problem solving is is, yeah. is the most favorite. um <laughs> when uh when the directors are struggling to approve a shot in animation dailies and their notes are a little unfocused and they're trying to feel out something that doesn't actually seem to be related to the animation <laughs> <laughs> i really love it when we can get that with the camera mm-hmm. it, we mm-hmm. can we can solve that with just Tweaking the camera in a in some way, and uh, get that shot approved, which maybe should have been approved already, but was just missing that something, and it wasn't the animators' work at all. It was something about the camera that needed to be taken mm. care of. I love it when those solutions pop up. <laughs> we mm. love
1: that too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: but what Dorian said about the collaboration and the community and the building full of people who are insanely talented and all working on the same thing as you is, it's really outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it may just be a, a, um, misperception on my part, but I feel like Disney is a studio that is willing to commit a little extra time and money because our movies are definitely not cheap to allow us to take our craft to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's really the only feature animation studio I've worked at, so they could <laughs> all be like that. <laughs> Heck, Netflix might be paying three times as much money to make their movies. and What, you've only raised your craft by five levels?
5: <laughs> We're going seven. Uh,
3: I don't know. But at, I feel like Disney is, uh, is a place where you really are encouraged to take the time to get your work to the highest level it can be Mm -hmm. while still getting the film made sure yeah within reason (laughs) yeah
4: and i I just would add the people that's huge Mm -hmm. like i I just feel really lucky that everyone i've met at the studio they're just like the nicest people in the world i mean i don't think you know i've walked in going oh i don't want to talk to that guy (laughs) (laughs) or you know something like that you walk in and people are just really happy to just talk with you and you know, stuff like that and you're not bugging them and you know, stuff. So it, it just, I've always felt really lucky that I've always been able to work, you know, luckily, I mean, in the broadness of my career for the most part, I mean, I I can, I can't even think of anybody that I was just like, Oh my gosh, that, Mm. that scared me or, you know, that like, that was a horrible thing. It's just like, everyone's just been really cool. And I think if you had that friendly vibe, and you're not looking for trouble and stuff, people are just going to be friendly, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But everyone's just so nice and just really cool. And yeah, the people are, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's really cool being
0: with fellow artists, I would say. The yeah. lack of uh, ego is just really nice. <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: So now we're going to move on to our next section, which is listener questions. Very, very exciting part where basically a little while back, we put out a call on social media for questions And as always, our listeners delivered and actually took a bunch of time to send us a bunch of questions. So we're super, super excited to get to this today. Unfortunately, we don't have time to answer absolutely all of the questions, but we hope that most questions will have been answered kind of throughout the episode. Um, And I guess moving forward, what we'll do is we'll have you guys alternate questions and answers in the interest of time, but obviously, please feel free to chime in. Wherever, uh, if anything pops up organically that you'd like to discuss. Okay, so to begin, from Instagram handle a cup of whimsy, can layouts be like storyboards, or are they really detailed and fleshed out?
5: Rocco, oh. <laughs> uh,
3: I think I think layouts can be like storyboards. I, well, the answer to this question is yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. They can be like storyboards if. You can convey what needs to be conveyed with just a static frame or Mm. minimal frame. Mm. But if you've got characters moving across frame um, or going somewhere or the camera's moving, then you really do need to flesh that out because you're also informing the editor's timing. Mm -hmm. And the animators are going to need those moving cameras. So yes, but if it needs more, it needs Mm -hmm. more.
4: Yeah, I'll just add to that on the live action side, uh absolutely, especially when you don't have storyboards. And right. you literally just have a script.
5: Mm. And mm-hmm.
4: you're kind of sitting there having to thumbnail it yourself and come up with the shots and edit it and put music to it and flesh something out. So that's definitely happened on a lot of occasions. Um so yeah, that can be basically hand in hand. Not because we want to, uh just because of the necessity of the situation.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So another question from at, at Lem Lai. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to say that. Lem <laughs>
5: um,
0: Thank you so much for the question. It's how much freedom do you have when transferring the 2d storyboards into 3d space?
3: Well, um, we have as much as the director gives us oh. <laughs> uh, or the directors give us. Uh, generally when we are issued sequences, we like to find out, First off, did the director board it themselves?
5: Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a good very point. <laughs> <It
3: did>. That's <laughs> huge. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, are there any shots that they are really attached to? Sure. Gotcha. Um mm. mm-hmm. And well, that really—it's—it's it's just those two. Often in the story process, uh, the story artists will just draw something because they need a board to mm-hmm. fill that space. Mm. I'm I've heard this said by a story artist, so I'm not just making any <laughs> words, but they just need a board to fill a space. So they'll draw something and there's really no value to it, except that it's a placeholder or it's mm-hmm. occupying mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. in their right beats. Sure. Um, but also even if you disregard that because of our evol- evolving story process and our editing process, uh, the editors may be pulling old boards because they just need something to fill a beat. Or Mm -hmm. the board artist may not have had time to go back and reboard an entire sequence, just a short segment to get the story changes worked in. Mm -hmm. So there may be boards that really have nothing to do with what they need to get across. They're just still there, sort Mm -hmm. of legacy boards. Uh, And if you know the difference between what's really important to the directors, uh, what is really important in telling the story, and what is just a rough sketch, then it's really easy to navigate mm. the the pathway, I think. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to make sure it tells the story. And if it doesn't tell the story, once you get it in a 3D space, then it just has to change because it's, mm. it's mm-hmm. ineffective. Mm-hmm. So I say you have a lot of freedom as long as you have a good reason to do it.
0: That's awesome. Nailed it. That's great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bert. Perfect.
2: So this next question from, gosh, again, at Peter Kirk Vliet or Peter K. Urk not sure. But thank you, Peter. Um, are there any tricks or tips or tricks for workflows on uh, basically how to work quickly and to get different alt, alternate versions in front of a director?
4: Hmm. Yeah, I would say um, as long as you got the idea of the shot, um, that's all you need to do. So there's some situations where it's, let's say it's four or five shots. And in one of the shots, the character just needs to be in a certain position. You don't need to animate it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. So sometimes you're, you can spend more time over-animating something that really doesn't need to be animated. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And uh, so I would say as long, I've seen some really good shots where when I actually opened up the scene file and looked at it, it was just a pose that slid into the right spot at the right time. Not even Mm. just the translates on it. Mm. So, but it worked really well because the camera was at the right angle and it told the story that it needed for that shot. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. I say that's like the pro, uh, achievements that get unlocked where less is more, (laughs) you know, and it gives you more time to kind of work on the other shots that might need more work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say the second thing uh, to the question as far as, um, uh, alts in front of the director. Uh, we do alts all the time, but one of the common mistakes or the common things I see sometimes is when someone does an alt for a camera and there's like five different alts, but they're all just a little, you know, one (laughs) camera's going maybe a little higher at the end one, but if you play them in order, and you show it to a person, they can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I always say, if you're doing an alt, go for it. Make sure that every shot is drastically different than the other mm-hmm. or has a very, you know, if you show it to someone and in, in like, these are my three alts they should immediately be able to recognize those as as different alts. If you're just tweaking it, that's kind of just you and your brain processing it and just going, well, see at the end how it's, how it slowed down just a hair as opposed to (laughs) a shot where it just slowed down. No like It looks like the exact same (laughs) shit. So, you know, that's, I did that all the time. So that's one of the things where I just ended up just going, if it's slightly different, then I'll just choose the best shot and delete the the alt version. Hmm. And I want to make sure every shot that I deliver as an alt is drastically different, and that helps the editor Mm -hmm. as
3: well. That's a a good way to put it. Um, Alt oversaturation is definitely a thing. (laughs) Uh, There's some bookkeeping things that may be specific to our process, which is if you're sending an alt of a sequence to editorial, it's nice if all the shots that match are all the same alt designation. So we use alt A, alt B, alt C, alt D. Mm -hmm. So if all your alt D's go together and they're different from all your alt B's for a sequence, Mm -hmm. then it makes it easier for the editor to know all the B's are this version. All Mm -hmm. the C's are this version. It makes sense. But again, that's specific to our workflow. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also, just to back up what Dorian said, when I do, when I do different camera versions for directors, if they say, we want a camera that does this. If they're actually making a request of me for a camera change in animation, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to make sure we don't go round and round because we only get the directors periodically Mm
5: -hmm. and Mm -hmm.
3: it's hard to find time to show otherwise. And that animated, we'll we'll be waiting for that camera unless they've got something else to do. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: So, uh, I try to give them, um, I show them the version that they had that we had originally Mm -hmm. show them a light version and an extreme version, <laughs> mm. yeah. And then maybe I'll skip the light version and do a medium version. But I always try to give them one that's too much.
5: Okay, mm. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um,
3: but so they have the reference of what they saw. They have one that I think is too far, <laughs> and then they have something that seems <laughs> that like totally a
1: makes sense. You know,
3: the, mm-hmm. the two options for the better point. And sometimes they go for the too far, mm-hmm. but it's uh, like you said, dive in and, and you know. Make it different. And I try and make that one so different mm-hmm. that they're not going to like it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I
4: think yeah. You, you brought up great. a really good rule of thumb, which is um, I always try to do the board pass first. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what they last saw. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go in and do my alt versions mm-hmm. or my combined shots and stuff. Okay. Just in case, even though we may not show it because it, it flows better from what I did, uh, we still I still kind of do it in there and still have it in there just in case they go, wait, what was that version in the board? And then we go, Oh, we got it right here. Mm. And then they can see, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is why it didn't work. Or maybe they like it and they go, you know what? We actually really did like it. Let's stick Mm -hmm. to that. But I always Mm -hmm. try to do the pass that they gave us first and then I'll start going on the crazy train.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes doing the boards can inform you of what your process should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Super cool.
0: Actually, on a technical level, would that mean like having multiple cameras of the same shot in the scene? Or would you have separate scenes? I'm just curious about that. It's usually that, yeah. Multiple cameras. So it's, okay. it's, it's,
4: imagine if you're on a set and there's an actor and you have one camera. Now imagine you have five cameras Got it. on the same exact situation. Got it. So <laughs> we'll have, you know, if you look, open up any one of our scene files... You know, sometimes you'll see, like, a character position and just this, like, blob of cameras just (laughs) (laughs) around. What is this? Yeah. Uh, Because it's, you know, it's covering as many angles as we can or something. Uh, we'll find one way up in the sky or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's because we're trying to be as efficient as possible. Got it.
5: Interesting. Cool.
0: Cool. So – A couple of students reached out to us and seem to have the misconception that layout is a stepping stone to animation. Do you guys have an opinion on that idea or care to comment? We get that this kind of is a sensitive or could be a sensitive question. (laughs) Saucy question. (laughs) I definitely have an
3: opinion on it. Um, I think if, if you are going into layout anticipating to transition into animation, um, you're not going to be a very good layout artist or you're not going to be a very good transitioner mm-hmm. because you don't have time to do both.
5: Mm-hmm. You
3: don't have time to animate your layouts mm-hmm. well enough to impress the animation department. Uh, If you're going into layout and you also like animation, it's hard to argue with somebody who likes both things and might like to try the other. But I can say that if I was given the choice of hiring somebody who wanted to work in layout on their way to animation versus somebody who was truly passionate about layout, I would probably hire the person who is passionate yeah. about layout, of yeah, sure. even if they might not be as qual- uh, might not be as excellent a per- uh, an artist as mm-hmm. the one who wants to go into animation, because they're going to be with us longer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to grow. They're going to evolve, and they're going to stay or at least I hope they do.
4: Yeah. you yeah, I would say it's, it's good to figure that out when you're a student yeah. or when you're learning the craft. So as you're working on your short or doing something, you kind of realize, I like this doing this better, or I like doing that better. And, you know, one of the things I like is the speed that we work and the roughness of what mm-hmm. we're working. It's like sketching, um, as opposed to, like, when you go on animation, you're spending a lot of time on one shot and perfecting that shot, and that's a craft and it takes patience and it's a little bit of a different mindset when it's not one shot. You got to do, you know, 20 shots by the end of the week and it's got to be correct and flow nice. And, you know, it's a different type of way of thinking. So it's good to figure that out before you go in. Mm
5: -hmm. Um, Mm
4: -hmm. But, you know, if there's nothing wrong with doing it and then all of a sudden you change your mind or, you know, I've seen layout go into storyboards, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I've known some, final animators who became layout artists just because they mm-hmm. fell in love with the camera mm-hmm. and doing stuff. So they became, you know, they're able to balance that. Um, it's rare, but it does, it does happen.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but yeah, try to, if you're just like, yeah, I'm just doing this temporary second, so you yeah. know, do this or do that. Um, it, it could just end up going, getting mediocre work
5: because mm-hmm. you're
4: trying to take advantage of a situation to do something else. Um, so yeah, that's what Rocco was saying there, that you got to be careful on that
0: as well. I just imagine they do one shot and it's just like really well animated or something, but then they had like 20 shots due and you're like, where are your other
5: <laughs> shots? <laughs>
0: right. Right. Like, what
4: are you doing? And you know, that those situations have happened. Okay. the past where true. someone who really wanted to be an animator got into doing pre layout and then the camera was not moving
5: at mm. all. Okay. And
4: it was taking them, you know, four days to do one shot. And it's just like, wow. meanwhile, the guy who is literally out of school is next to him doing three shots a day <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, not focusing on the animation much, just kind of focusing on the cameras and getting the job done, you know. So, yeah, totally. it depends. Um, and, it, you know, like anything else, going in and out of different job positions is very tricky, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you do do it, I say, uh, you know, make sure you're doing it on your off time, not on company yeah. time. Yeah,
5: yeah, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, it's yeah. great.
1: Definitely. Actually, you just touched on this a little bit. Um, but the next question is, have you ever met folks who transitioned from animation to layout? Um, and we actually got a specific question from at Tristan bossy, who asks, what's the <laughs> best way to move from character anim to layout? <laughs> oh yeah, no,
4: I know, I know a couple final animators from ILM and mm-hmm. Sony and stuff who've gone into, to layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and I know one from Disney animation as well, mm-hmm. uh, but uh yeah it it is possible, um mm-hmm. and they're really good by the way, like it's not just <laughs> they just went oh, I'm going to put a camera here, like they're students of film, and when mm-hmm. you talk to them, it's very clear that they they watch a lot of film, they study mm-hmm. film, they study camera angles, and, but they've always had that passion they just at the time bef- there was no previs at the time, or you know they kind of were animators and what saw people were doing cameras, and they mm-hmm. got interested and started trying to volunteer to help out, and you know stuff like that. So uh, it is it is possible, um, but it's it's it is kind of rare too.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I would say everything Dorian said about what he would like to see on a reel mm-hmm. would be things they could focus on,
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, and all the tips for becoming a layout artist certainly would apply. But also, yeah. I would say as an as an animator, they would have a unique opportunity if they had free time
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, because they've got a character that is performing Yeah. and they can come at mm-hmm. it the other way from what we do, which is we do some rough animation in mm-hmm. front of cameras. But if you've got animation, you can just throw cameras on that. You've got an actor now who's acting mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you can put all the cameras you want on that actor mm-hmm. and you can start playing with things and finding out what looks good and making a, a story out of that animation that you've got. So the thing you are experienced that can become a strength in helping you build the skills you need to layout to do layout because you've got a subject.
1: Yeah, Mm. totally. It's
3: really cool. Right. I would also say, I don't know if this works at uh, if this exists at other studios, but At Disney, we've had animators help us with uh, doing previs blocking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd say that would be a great transitional position Yeah, get into that because often those animators not only do the blocking, but they also help with cameras Mm -hmm. uh, and help sort things out. There's just a a greater collaboration in that position. And I think that would be a great way to learn more about the intricacies Mm -hmm. of layout Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and perhaps see if you're a fit. Uh, you know, the other place you could do it is if you are in a, if you're in a, a hired position as an animator is, um, your toolkits or tests,
5: Oh yeah.
3: you know, that would be a mm-hmm. good place to stretch mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put something together that tells a little story. Cause you are, you do have to figure out those characters and you do have to have yeah. them do something. And in a toolkit, you tend to have a little bit of freedom. Yeah.
5: yeah
4: uh, that's true. Going back to the student aspect of it. If you're, studying animation right now and you're like oh i'm maybe might be interested in layout take a class in layout Mm. you know do it on the off time and now that there's online classes there's some previous classes out there that teach that so Mm. that's a good way to at night or you know uh, as an alternate to try out layout and see if that's for you and if you really like it yeah i go down that route it's a really great point
1: definitely
5: yeah
2: so our next question is from at Rachel underscore zero three one zero underscore 1996. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, what is the most misunderstood aspect of layout you would like to share? Uh,
3: that would be that layout is a stepping stone to animation. <laughs> there you
5: go. <laughs> it's I had a That's feeling. Right.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that is a good question. Do you have anything off the top of your head, Dorian? Uh oh, that is tough.
4: Um, I would say the most misunderstood thing is the fact that a lot of people don't know what it is or mm. or it's not talked about, you know, as far as the process. Um Yeah, that is that is a tough thing.
3: Yeah, I guess um I would say this may not be true presently, but uh I do feel like there was a misconception in early CG that layout was really just assembling the assets and putting them mm. into a file that matched the storyboards.
5: Mm-hmm. That
1: you makes know. sense. Yeah.
3: That it was it, a, just a, a misunderstanding of all the effort that went into it. That was not technical, but artistic.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm. I say probably like because the the layout title comes from two D days mm-hmm. as well. Right. So and two D is completely different layout than what you're doing in 3d yeah 3d it's i would say it's more pre viz, um Mm. but it's an animation is still categorized you know as layout because that used to be what the old process was back in the day Mm. when it was 2d so it's uh yeah it's an interesting uh history for it um man yeah it's a good question
3: i guess we could we call it viz
0: (laughs) being more accurate
2: it's, it's true. Viz.
0: It's the yeah. first like w- like digital viz, like you yeah. said, or yeah. something. So, so this is another listener question we got, which is: Does the head of layout come up with the overall visual language of the film? Kind of like a director of photography or cinematographer of a live action film would love to hear more about this process. Uh,
4: yes, I would say uh, it is part of the uh, process because one of the things that happens before. Um, we even get workbook turnovers or something is, uh, the head of layout will actually go through and work with the director and the lighter and, you know, look at the movie and actually create the visual language of it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll, Mm -hmm. I think we caught it like the cinematic Bible or, you know, it's I know on Raya, Rob did it, Nathan did it. And, you know, it's usually a, uh, a PDF or, you know, a file that we have on the server and google docs or something where they put this kind of powerpoint presentation where for each sequence they'll show examples of what the mood and what the shot composition and stuff like that um that they've they're thinking of Mm -hmm. doing for the sequence (sighs) that is so cool and uh i remember like on raya you know for the sequence we're working on it was very dark and they rob really wanted to play with silhouettes and shadows Mm -hmm. you know not be afraid to go too dark with it and you know have certain moods for lighting and stuff like that. So in some cases they'll put like little stills or animated gifs from different movies to show you examples of what they're shooting for. Cool. And then they'll do a breakdown and talk about, Oh, this is the points we want to, you know, go over. These are the low angle shots we want to convey to give you this mood. And so they'll go sequence by sequence and kind of do a breakdown of what they think uh, the sequence should kind of feel like, or the story of the cinematography. Um, and in some cases too, uh, that's part of, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, Morocco, part of the pitch with the directors when they first jump on board, mm. uh, that they kind of talk about the cinematic language and they put something together, um, that for the overall movie kind of, kind of mm. helps set the mood of what they're shooting for, uh, as well. Mm. Um, and they'll get direct feedback from the directors and they'll kind of work on that. But there's always some kind of either verbal or visual representation of, uh, what they're trying to do from mm. scene to scene and how that plays in the overall movie. Got it. Cause it could start off darker, but then end lighter, hmm. you know, with happier shots.
5: <laughs> Believe it or
4: not, there is a way to do happier shots <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, yeah, and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. In our, uh, in our industry, because lighting happens at the end of the pipeline uh, and layout is right at the front, the cinematographer is sort of split in half. So, And the titles are Director of Cinematography Layout and Director of Cinematography Lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. uh, so they're two sides of the same coin that make up a, what I guess the live-action world would consider a complete cinematographer. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. um,
3: and they work together to make these cinematography pitches that Dorian was, was talking about. And I think... Th- Raya was uh, done particularly cleverly because uh, Robin Adolf came up with their pitch knowing the story was still in flux and they couldn't get specific about certain things that happened in the story, but they knew the beats that a story takes. Mm-hmm. They know, well, this: uh, there, there's the uplifting moment, there's the fall, there's the yeah. redemption, you know, there these different beats that happen throughout a story. Um, and themes Mm -hmm. there's going to be a theme to this story and so they were able to in addition to working simply on a sequence level they're working across the whole film using lenses and focus to sort of define the uh, accomplishment of the theme and where the theme Mm -hmm. was on its journey or the film was on its journey of the theme and I thought that was really clever
5: Mm.
0: Yeah, I wish more people could see like that PowerPoint presentation <laughs> in like, the world, because I feel like a lot of people would geek out about that. I don't know if that's ever public. It's probably more just internally studio, but I don't know. That'd be super cool.
3: Yeah, I think so. I, d- I doubt we can probably show all the lifts we take from other movies. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. That
1: makes sense.
5: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So this, this next question is a little broad, but we'll see where we go with it. It's from, um, at CVS dot ROM general rules of thumb for staging would be awesome. Um, and I, I, you guys have already mentioned some things like rule of thirds, crossing the line, et cetera, but just kind of, yeah, off the cuff of the <laughs> quick things that come to mind, concepts that somebody new might need to know. <laughs>
3: well, There are a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, uh, Matching angles, I think, is a, a very overlooked thing. Um, mm-hmm. When you're shooting two characters who are talking to each other, it's nice if the cameras each have the same angle on each of those characters. Oh, so if mm-hmm. they're both 10 degrees off 12 o'clock,
1: okay. make them
3: both twelve. Make them both 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing goes for tilts. I like to balance tilts yeah. so that a five degree up is often balanced with a five degree down.
5: Mm-hmm. Got it. Oh, yeah. up that's and down really good.
3: characters. Mm-hmm. Um and I often go through a sequence um just to tune that up, and I will just type in five and hit return. <laughs> mm. And I'll go through all the ups and all the downs and do five, negative five, five, negative five, and I'll just see how it looks, and I'll move yeah. the cameras to the right place and see, oh, wow. does this look better than what I had before, mm. or am I making it worse? Is there a reason to be more extreme or less extreme or to have them mismatched?
5: Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, but matching... Matching your overs and matching your singles, matching your angles in conversation is great. Um, The crossing the line is a huge one.
4: Yeah. Uh, And I would just add like, um, you know, think, understand how in real life they shoot it. Understand that there's cranes and dollies and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that right now, you know, the big, new thing that they added I mean not now but one of the new things is a spider cam I don't know if you guys know what the spider cam is Mm -hmm. so you've seen it in the Super Bowl where the camera's on a wire and it's you know it moves it can move at a remarkable fast rate and Mm. I've seen that used in on set in real life of Mm. them you know because the actor's running and the the camera has to keep up with them
5: Yeah, Um, but
4: you can't lay a track down uh, and stuff like that Um, so you know the biggest thing that helps. And I think that helped me is once you understand like what tripods are, what tracks are and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you don't need to like know how to set them up or stuff, but just know how they move and how they set up mm-hmm. shots yeah. because the whole cinematic language that we're using now was based on that. And even though i mm-hmm. in the computer, you can kind of forget uh, that those rules or those types of setups that we take for granted um, and, you know, go everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. Use lenses that are too wide for a close-up. Use lenses that are too long for a wide, you know. So and in some cases that's actually a creative choice. And different directors use different, you know, uh cameras and lenses for different types of feelings of what they do. So just uh see films and, and look at some of the camera equipment and how they set up stuff and just realize how the camera actually moves in real life and try to mimic that.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's great.
3: That is a very, very good thing. Uh, on Dinosaur, they had the DinoCam, mm. which was a camera on a wire that would just run along great lengths, and I think they got it from a football stadium. Oh. Oh, wow, but it yeah, was that's a spider cam. Yeah. <laughs> it was because they needed to chase a herd of dinosaurs across a live action ground plane. Yeah. So that's what they set up. Oh, wow.
4: I get now it's drones.
3: <coughs> yeah. I have seen that where yeah. cameramen receive cameras from drones and then take them on a steady cam rig. Oh
4: my <laughs> so gosh. If, if you want to see one of the coolest uh sequences, um there's a movie called The Raid and they made two of them, The Raid 1 and The Raid 2, and it's they pride themselves on doing one continuous camera move okay. and yeah. it's so impressive. I think it's the raid to the prison scene. Um, but they show, go to the special features and look at the making of, and they show how they went from like a bathroom stall and they went all the way, you know, and there's little tricks they do that, you know, you're in the wall, but you don't know it. And then they move the camera and they put the wall back in mm. and, you know, they've been doing that stuff since citizen Kane, but, yeah. um, you know, just look at the making ofs and see how they're moving the camera and how they hand off stuff and stuff like that. It, it's all really interesting. And a lot of the stuff always kind of sparks ideas of just like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. But again, they're all sticking to the same, trying to stay to the same composition, follow the characters. Um, and I would say, I guess another tip for uh, a rule of thumb is don't let the character leave the frame. Uh, a lot of times the character will move, the camera will move before the character moves. So the character always leads the shot.
5: And mm, that can mm-hmm. go
4: from, a, that that can feel very unnatural when a character, the camera's anticipating the move. Yeah. That's a common yeah. thing I see too, where was mm. just like,
5: that makes, you know. Because
4: yeah. in real life, the person moves and the camera guy's right. moving up. So that's that's something to, to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And also too, like making sure if something is jumping in and out of frame and stuff, um, trying to keep it in the camera, even mm. if it's just mm. a foot or a leg, uh, once it leaves the frame and it comes back in, it feels very unnatural. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. And for a frame or two, the audience goes, where is it? What's going on? And <laughs> it jumps in and you're like, wait, what? As opposed to maybe just having a part of that character in the frame as it comes down mm. and comes back mm. into frame. So little stuff like that you'll kind of notice, but a lot of it is in – just looking at films
3: and looking how they set up the shots. Mm -hmm. I think that sort of relates to uh, my work with the animation department in that Mm -hmm. a lot of my adjustments are making sure a camera isn't leading the characters Mm -hmm. Um, or the particular hard ones are when a character moves really quickly, Mm -hmm. but we've got to have the camera lag behind it. And yet we have to keep that character from getting really off frame.
5: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: A lot of challenges happen there. That's a that's a, a good point. Um, this is sort of related to animation and edit editing, but takes place in layout, and that's just make sure you're cutting for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if needed, put something in to motivate that cut. If you need to have a cut and there's no reason to have it yet except that you need to get someplace else, mm-hmm. uh, see what you can do with a head turn.
5: Yeah.
3: Oh. Or just something to make that camera want to go to the next thing. You can, you can use performance to drive the camera. Yeah. It just can't, um, you know, just can't make it obvious, but there's certain things you can do with a character and that will make it feel like the camera needs to go someplace else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a, a little bit of a turn, uh, start a motion, have the action across a cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get aware of a lot of things yeah. by just tweaking the performance at that cut. Yeah. area. You mm-hmm.
4: just touched on something really big, which was editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a good... If we're going back to the... You know, uh, some tips on layout and stuff, is having a good sense of editing, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing when a shot's too long to cut. And we do that all the time. And that's part of the process, too, is we get the storyboards, and the storyboards have the shots to be 350 frames. But then when you actually do it, it only needs to be 150 frames and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll consciously cut that off. And if the editor wants more, then we'll more than happy add more. But, um, you know, seeing the shots in sequence and having the edit kind of in your head or feeling out how the edit's playing, um, that's also another part that I don't think we've touched on too much, but it it is
0: pretty important. It's kind of unspoken sometimes. Um, It's just crazy how much layout, like encompasses so many other editing, animation, you know, like everything. It's crazy story.
4: Yeah. Yeah. and And we're not trying to like step on editors, you know, or anything it's a very collaborative yeah, uh, process totally. but you know there are situations where you know you would put your little edit together and you know sometimes it works and sometimes they want a little more or, or this or that so you are also taking a little bit of stab of of that as well but that's based on what they gave you too sure. and now you're using stuff for real <laughs> um but yeah but there's a uh every frame of painting on that website they have, uh, it's got one of the best, uh, action editing things that Jackie Tan, Jackie Chan, when he does his films, he edits a certain way. And the funny thing is, the camera's not really moving at all, mm. but it conveys <laughs> 10 times more, uh, you know, uh, impact of danger and stuff than some of the modern films that they compare it to, where it's just a bunch of shaky cam and people punching yeah. each other. <laughs>
5: uh-huh. And
4: you look at his films and they've got 10 times more of an impact but the camera's not even moving at all. Mm. He just cuts wow. at the right wow. point and double cuts action. Okay. So when it yeah. punches someone, you know, That's you don't exactly cut on the frame and have that punch finish. You actually have a little 5 or 10 frames eh, 10 frames is a lot. Maybe 5 frames <laughs> extra of that punch coming back in and so they're technically getting hit twice but when you see it in the edit oh, it man. it looks like yeah. it's one continuous shot and it actually has more Impact, mm. um, and that's something we're always aware of too. Of that's double editing and double cuts, yeah. trying to make sure if we're giving the editor something, we're actually giving him just a little more in case they want to do that
3: as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, camera height is another thing. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, we used to, we used to keep our cameras, uh, at you know cheek level or above, on uh, in a lot of our princess musicals i guess is the best way to describe them um and we've we've broken away from that now we're doing more lower cameras than we used to uh but i think the most important thing to real thing to think about is have an idea of why your cameras are low or high Mm -hmm. or at character height Uh, and just make a conscious choice i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people just deal with camera heights kind of by composing a shot that they think looks nice, but they don't really think about why the camera's there. If it's too high, it tends to be more of a security camera or God's eye view. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, if it's too low, it can make the the character overly heroic mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. dominant, or just mm-hmm. feel like something on the floor is looking at that character. And, mm-hmm. and if you aren't supporting it with the rest of the sequence, huh. it could be out of place. Yeah, Man, you just triggered one of the most important
4: <laughs> rules of thumb to answer this question uh, is don't use the same camera lens for every single shot. That's mm. a common student thing mm. where okay. they just use the default Maya 35 millimeter lens <laughs> and uh, every, the close-ups <laughs> are the same 35, the wides mm. and you know, I've made that mistake, you know, when I was learning the process, but you have to understand that, you know, we use different lenses for different types of shots and that's a huge thing that, um, I don't, I don't, people don't really learn when they start in the, in the process, mm-hmm. especially at school is there's different lenses and you use the different lenses for different situations.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of based on like the live action rules a little bit, I would imagine. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Cause you know, if you're doing a close up, nine out of 10, it's going to be a 50 millimeter on the person as they're talking mm-hmm. or something like that or higher 85 and stuff like that. Um, I know like on Encanto, I remember Nathan saying that some of the characters were modeled for 50 millimeter. Mm. So anytime we did, oh, close wow. eye, if we did less than a 50 millimeter, it would, they would look weird. Mm. You know, oh, and we had okay. to be very conscious of keeping the camera at a distance when using certain lenses as opposed to when you get up close to them. Interesting. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, look at your lenses and how you're using your lenses.
2: Mm. Oh my gosh. Your for the ma- future. That's like a great tip jar for months from now. Mm-hmm. Whenever we do the modeling episode, <laughs> 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 it's like, I, I never even crossed my mind, you might yeah. Have that in mind at that stage. That is super cool.
4: Because I'm sure you guys have like, you know, the model sheet, the camera, you know, the character model and how yeah. not to warp them too much because it's mm-hmm. unappealing, you know. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff totally. On. So the same kind of thing is with camera. We don't want to make it ugly. And sure. we don't want to make your guys' work ugly because we got the wrong lenses mm-hmm. and we we you know, did something that we weren't supposed to do.
1: I have a quick workflow question for you guys related to this, which is, do you have any kind of library of existing cameras or different shots or anything that you use, like in the production process to streamline anything like that? Or like even, like I, I'm always curious about like, oh, I see that they use walk cycles on the character and and I'm wondering just about that very logistical workflow um. Yeah. At the studio.
4: Uh. Do you mean like a like an animation library for cameras?
1: Yeah. Like we. Yeah. Exactly. Like, do you ever have anything that you would just plop into a scene that you use somewhere else or anything like that, or, or are you always just creating the camera in the file? Or?
3: Uh. I have a few camera shakes that I keep. Okay. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, okay. Yeah. If I need an impact of a certain feeling.
4: Yeah. When we when we get the camera by default. Uh, there's usually a lens package that comes with it.
3: Okay.
5: Gotcha. Um,
4: so it'll start at usually 21 and kind of go down. And also too, when we go to live action, mm-hmm. uh, if we're pre the first thing we'll do before we start anything is we'll talk to the DP mm-hmm. and say, what camera are you using, and what lenses are you using? Mm-hmm. And what gotcha. do you prefer? Yeah, we would ask that with the director as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. cause some directors, depending on their style, they like certain lenses and this and that. And we only make that sure that sense. camera information translates into the digital form. Yeah. So we're not, you know, stabbing at air. Um. And so at Disney, I mean, we do have the lens package okay. of just what they prefer mm-hmm. for the sequence, and that's what the uh, lay- head of layout did beforehand to get that information. And then also like. Rocco was saying we have a camera shake and that camera shake is kind of on all the cameras on the shows and those camera shakes we have, you can turn it on and it'll have kind of a walking Mm -hmm. shake to it Yeah, and then we have a car I think it's called car idle or car running. (laughs) (laughs) It basically gives you that vibration of like Mm -hmm. as if your camera was strapped on the hood of a muscle car and it had that shake. So it's not just those presets that are in there um, there's not a lot in there. I think there's like eight or ten or maybe something. Eight, yeah, but mm. within those presets, there's a lot. Of, each preset has a v- significant amount of uh, ways you can tweak it. Mm. So we have you can t- tweak it and translates so okay. that maybe you want to up up the camera translate mm. or lower down the camera translate Got so you, it. and mm-hmm. uh, the XYZ. All those channels are in there that we can mm. manipulate. So maybe it's going more left and right instead of up and down. Mm-hmm. And that goes in rotation as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So we can tweak how much frequency we want for the translates and rotates. And then above that, tweak how much amplitude we want as well. So wow. it's like okay. a when I was on Star Wars, it was just like one thing. <laughs> and then okay. over the years, <laughs> like it's evolved because... People started trying to incorporate more live action into the cameras, Mm -hmm. and you know, here at Disney, it's probably got like the most options I've ever seen. But it makes sense when you think about it, and it's good that we have those options.
1: That's super. Um,
4: And you can just leave them at the presets and walk away and do your keys of when it starts and stops, or you can go in there and really start finessing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Corey definitely knows a little bit more about that. You know,
3: Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it's funny that a lot of a lot of those shakes were recorded uh, on our camera capture stage with oh, an actual okay. camera. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The wow. Stage We had set up and I suppose we still do. It's sort of become the virtual reality lab now. Right. Right. Uh, but at one point we took a camera weighted rig down there. And, uh, I think for the running, Joaquin was on a treadmill that ah. we, <laughs> we had hauled into the room and he was holding oh. the camera rig and we recorded <laughs> that. And that's where some of our shakes came from. I think some were actually hand animated okay. and there are these mm. 5,000 frame cycles
1: uh, wow! Yeah, that we makes f- sense.
3: can sample different times from or okay. tweak all the amplitude and frequency of. Um, on top of those, I have a small library of of just individual shake bits mm-hmm. that I can apply. Although I find most of the time I'm hand keying anyway for <laughs> <per laughs> camera <laughs> shake because it's just yeah. so specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but related to the shakes, a lot of those I I don't touch them as much as I used to. Uh, unless there's a reason to if they were if they were too big or too small coming out of layout for where the sequence has gone in animation, uh I might tweak it, but generally, I now leave it to elfin
5: mm-hmm. yeah,
3: um because they're gonna get the whole sequence back, and they'll be able to balance all the shakes across
5: okay, yeah,
3: so i might I might hit up specific shake moments. Mm-hmm. Or I might tone down the shake if you're having trouble seeing your character while you're animating, <laughs>
5: uh,
3: or if there's a a weird bump that came out of the out of the shake frequency that is just
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, causing you to m- miss your arcs or not be able to get your characters mm-hmm. in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But mostly, I leave the the camera shake mm-hmm. to uh, to Elfin to take care of because they have a better a better oversight over the whole,
4: yeah, sequence. how it's coming together. Mm. But I, I think that's probably about as close to a preset that sure. we have. But as far as like dropping in the cameras, there's no every camera yeah. move is very different. I think the yeah. closest when Rocco was mentioning um, dialogue scenes. Um, we do have the luxury of if we like that camera and we cut to the next camera and we need to cut back, we just duplicate the camera and move it over here. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, now we have that over here now. You know, so there are some little stuff like that. But uh, everything, you know, uh, is just kind of done on the spot and stuff. And it's just because one setup will will never work for another setup, no matter how much cleanup you do and how much stuff you (laughs) set up. Because the sets are different, the terrain's different.
5: Yeah, yeah. The
4: characters are different sizes and mm-hmm. scales. It's just totally it'd probably be more sense. work actually to try to tweak it from something that exists gotcha. than to just do it from scratch. Yeah,
5: yeah. Gotcha. Totally,
0: I don't know. it's relatable.
5: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Now it's time for the tip jar.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Nice, some real real life foley going on here. So for the tip jar, we. Actually, this time we're going to do it a little different. We're going to prompt you guys with a question, Um, and that is that we would love to hear from you uh, either the best piece of advice you've ever received or anything you wish you knew as a student or young professional that you now know.
3: Absolutely. Um, I think the best thing I ever learned at the studio uh, was that good ideas can come from anywhere. And... I think about I think about that phrase a lot. Good ideas can come from anywhere. Also, says to me that I might not be the best person at my job, or at uh, even within my field, I may not be the best at solving this particular problem. Um, but another part of that is because good ideas can come from anywhere. It really means you have to. Leave your ego out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when somebody comes up with an idea that's different than what you thought of, even if it's your field of focus and your specialty and your job to have that idea, if their idea is better, their idea is better, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not trying to lessen you as a person or
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, show that they're a better artist than you are we're in a studio with 900 people who are excellent at their jobs and excellent at a lot of things you don't even know about. Because <laughs> you've, <laughs> well, you've only interacted them on a professional level. Yeah. Um, everybody's got skills. Everybody's got ideas. And most importantly, they are all trying to make the movie as good as it can be. So in the worst case scenario... You've just got different ideas of what is good,
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: but it has nothing to do with ego. It's mm-hmm. just about finding out which idea the directors actually want mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and meeting that idea. The best idea should always win. I talked earlier about how I was very protective of the layout cameras originally when they went into animation, and I grew out of that, and a lot of that was just letting go of ego. Mm-hmm. It was... Mm-hmm. Letting go of my, um, of my thoughts that the layout was done correctly mm-hmm. and that's what should stay. The layout was done at a moment in time and the film evolves. Mm-hmm. And what was right then might not be right now, or what was right then just might not have landed at the best thing yet. It might have just mm-hmm. been a step on the way. And that's where we're at now. So evaluate things for their value, not for where they came from. And mm-hmm. don't let your own ego get in the way.
0: 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's
4: awesome. pretty good. Uh, I would say um, be honest if you don't know anything about it. That's um, true. I love that. All the time I'll be like, I, re- I don't know. You know, like <laughs> I really don't know. And, you know, the people around you will kind of give you more respect as if you were trying to pull one over on them. So I've always felt like the more honest I am, um, and the more questions I ask and stuff like that, don't be scared to admit it. And, you know, the faster you do it or the sooner you do it, the more you can get the answer because people around you are there to help you. So don't be scared to, um, you know, not know something and let people know. Uh, and I'd also say like the second thing is, um, just be nice to everybody. Cause you know, I think. I know, especially in animation, you're going to be working with the people for a long time. Mm. And, uh, in live action, people come and go and stuff like that. But even there, you know, um, it's a team effort and you want to make sure that everyone's on board and they all want to work with each other and they want to be nice to each other and stuff like that. So, uh, don't be mean, try not to be mean to people. And if you do apologize quickly (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and, uh, yeah. Just, uh, you know, try, there's a lot of stress that happens in the industry and a lot of stuff that, you know, uh, you don't anticipate and stuff like that. And it is a stressful job and we do work a lot of overtime and stuff, but just try to keep cool and, you know, just try to be nice. Cause you're going to be seeing that person or these people again, you know, down the road, if not now, then maybe in the future. Um, and you know, I know, we especially work with people that they're coordinators now. And then next thing you know, they're your boss, they're producers, <laughs> you know, and the guy I was sitting next to at my desk. Now he's my supervisor, you know, so <laughs> that stuff is very common and it happens all the time. So yeah. the nicer you are, the the better. Yeah.
1: Awesome.
2: Gosh, these are all fantastic. So good. Thank you both <laughs> so, so much. Nuggets. All right, so we're coming to the end of the episode here. And before wrapping things up, we wanted to give our guests a quick um, opportunity to plug anything if they would like. So I think Dorian maybe had a little something. Uh,
4: yeah, um, I do have a small Instagram. Uh, it's called Layout Sketches. So you can find it on Instagram. Nice. Uh, and uh, yeah.
0: We'll link you in our right the show there. notes.
4: Yes.
5: yes <laughs> definitely, will definitely, definitely
1: will do. So this is the part where we now transition to plugging... Our social media network, which is basically our Instagram, that's at animation happy hour. Um, you can also check out our website, animation happy hour.com, um, or email us at animation happy hour or animation happy hour at gmail.com. And I think, I believe that's pretty much all of our uh, social media presence right now. That's right. So last episode, we announced, or rather I announced, that we are going (laughs) to pick one review to gift a t-shirt to as a thank you. So the way this works is we will read a review and the reviewers, I guess sort of, username or handle or whatever they associate with the review so if you listen to this and you hear your review read please get in contact with us either on instagram direct messages or on our gmail you can uh, email us at animation hour at gmail.com let us know that you were the one who um, left us the review and if I, I I don't know that you really have to prove it, but hopefully <laughs> cool. honor system um, will work here. And <laughs> and if we get two people claiming they're the reviewer, we will you know we'll see what we do. But um,
0: <laughs> stuff <Stop> the <contest. laughs> But
1: yes, so this is something we're going to do monthly because we love to read your reviews and they do help us out. So thought it would be fun to kind of incentivize that process. So our very first reviewer who we are going to gift a t-shirt to is Junior 94 mm. And this person said, I'm a graphic designer in the DFW area. I guess that's Dallas-Fort Worth probably. I think so. Um, who also does video and portraiture. I have learned so much about my own work just from listening to this podcast and so many themes such as design, soft skills, how to work on a creative team, and how to grow as an artist are applicable to any craft. Also, they are so fun to listen to. <laughs> my wife and baby walk by as I laugh, washing dishes with my AirPods and Probably think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> For real, though, highly recommend to anybody or anyone wanting to get better as an artist in general. So, yay!
5: Thank, nice. you. Thank, you, thank, you.
1: Nice. thank you. Thank you. Get in contact and we will work out sending a t shirt to you. Thanks again.
0: Awesome. So that about wraps up the episode. This has been Garrett, Katie, Ben, Rocco, and Dorian. Thanks for listening. And
5: happy enemy. enemy.